Briggs. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> this is Joe Bob Briggs. This is Jeffrey Combs. Hey, this is Scotty from Anthrax. Hi, you're listening to Adrienne Barbeau. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. You're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Broadcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. I'm saying this under duress. You better keep listening or I will tear your soul apart. (laughs) Listen, if you hear a very um, aggressive cat at any point during this uh, conversation, just ignore it. Okay, I will. Do do you want, I mean, if you have an extra mic, we'll have the cat on. I don't care. (laughs) We'd love to talk to the Rifkin cat. She is not, she is not broadcast friendly. She will say things that are very problematic, very cancelable. It's best that we just keep her off. Oh, yeah. We don't want to hear her. She's not perfect for us. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to hear what she she has to say about the Irish. Yikes. Uh, Real bad stuff. She will be part of a new film called Demon Cats. <laughs> well, uh, we we welcome you. You know what? We have even intro music. Here we go. Look at that. We, I'm excited. We're welcoming the great Adam Rifkin uh, in uh, easily our sweet brother Jeremy's uh, favorite movie of all time, The Dark Backward, uh, here on the show. Bless you, sir. Bless you. Uh, it is. It's a first of all, uh, The Dark Backward. I have. Uh, I, uh, me personally, uh, I've been a stand-up comic since about 2009. Uh, I say that anybody who is thinking about even starting into getting into comedy to watch The Dark Backward is the first thing that they do. Because the I think it is the best depiction of what it's like to bomb on stage. And more than that, to watch others bomb after bomb. Because John Nelson's character you have to understand that guy never gives up on comedy. You will see him for the rest of your life. He will not. He will not progress from where he's been. He'll get like slightly better, like here and there, and he will always be around to give you uh, usually terrible advice uh, about comedy. Like I know this character so goddamn well, <laughs> and it was really just great to see him uh, brought to flesh. So I thank you for for that. Uh, thank you. And Adam Rifkin actually saw our personal Marty Malt, which was named Michael Friedman here from Baltimore. No, our, that is first of all, Marty Malt is not him. That is the great Tom Myers is Marty Malt. Uh, if anybody, he's Googleable at least. Uh, shout out Tom Myers. But uh, at, listen. He's close, Jeremy, but no cigar. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, Adam, it's great that you're on the show. Um, I, you know, you got to what write the dark backward? I guess when you were like 19, like a teenager, out of I was nowhere. 19 when I wrote it, yeah. Like that. How crazy is this? That the first one of the first things you write as like a teenager, which probably seems like you know a, a full lifetime ago, uh, gets made into a movie with uh, you know. Giant stars by anybody's standards today. Like even at the time, like Bill Paxton, well, like was, that's crazy. It was crazy then. Believe me, I don't have to look back to appreciate how crazy it, it is. I it was the first script I ever wrote. Um, you know, I I'd always wanted to make movies. I I'm from Chicago. I came out to California to pursue my passion for filmmaking when I was 17, um, and I just. Uh, wrote that script for that was the first script I wrote and I just started knocking on doors and uh, looking for money to get it made I, I learned pretty quickly 
that there's no magic to getting a movie made. You just need the money and then you can be making a movie. I mean, if you have a rich uncle who will give you the money, you're making a movie. If you have a uh, access to a, you know, a, 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 a consortium of investors, you can make a movie. I mean, there's, but when I was growing up, I had no idea that that was the case. I just thought making movies is such an impenetrable bubble. There's no way you could actually go from being a civilian to being a filmmaker in Hollywood. But then when I got to Hollywood, I realized, oh, you just need some cash. So I wrote the script. Um, I knew, I knew I was inspired by the uh, story of Sylvester Stallone writing Rocky and refusing to sell it unless he got to star in it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought to myself, well, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to write a script that if somebody wants it, they're going to have to agree to have me direct it. Um, And I also knew that nobody's ever going to let me as, you know, a very young person uh, direct a big budget movie with, you know, with lots of money at stake. So I thought, and I also didn't think in a million years I could get movie stars. So I thought, all right, well, what's a way that I can stand out with this movie, that this movie can actually get some attention without having stars, without having big production value? I thought, well, if I just make it unusual enough, maybe just the ideas will cause it to stand out and and be unique and uh, break through the clutter. So that's why I wrote what I hoped would be a movie that would be kind of nutty, you know? And and it took a while to get it funded. I mean, I, I met up with a young producer named Brad Wyman. He got it right away. We tried to get money for it. We couldn't get the money, but there was an old time producer he was working for named Elliot Kastner, who had produced many classic films with Brando and with uh, Jack Nicholson and Paul Newman, I mean, classic, uh, legendary producer. But at that time, you know, home video was a booming business and he was just cranking out lots of straight to video content because you could make a ton of money. If, if a movie was 90 minutes long and had exploitable elements in it. And what I mean by that is boobs or blood or both. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. and it Every, was trauma color. Film. Every trauma yeah, yeah, film. Yeah. 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 You can just make a fortune <laughs> just by a, a video sale. So he, we took it to him. He wouldn't fund it because he said it was too weird. But he said, if you can give me a movie for the kids, you know, he said, you know, uh, what do you got for the kids? You know, that kind of old time producer speak. I imagine so, like you know, there's like one picture like, huh, there's nothing I can exploit here. Have you thought about changing the arm to just a giant titty? Have you just thought about maybe one little, <laughs> little well, change? I should have thought of that. I, anyway, I, I told him I had an, I, an, a movie for the kids. What he meant by the kids is a teen movie. I told him I had one. I didn't. He said, bring it in tomorrow. I said, I'll bring it in Monday. This was like on a Wednesday. I ran home. I wrote, I wrote one. Then, then that got to be our first movie, which was never on Tuesday. Um, um, but we always, me and Brad, always were trying to get the dark backward funded. And uh, when, once we got Judd Nelson attached, the it was easy to get it funded because he was a big movie star at that time. That's the quickest way to get a movie funded. If anybody out there wants to get a movie funded for any significant budget, be really close friends or have really close access to a movie star who agrees to be in your movie and it'll get funded. That's that's so, hold on. I'm writing this down. <laughs> so once, <laughs> once, once Judd attached himself, it was, it came together pretty quickly, but that was, you know, I wrote it when I was 19. We ultimately made it when I was 23. So it took a few years, you know? Yeah. I, I, I looked up a, a couple of things that like Judd, apparently he, he speaks very highly of, uh, of the dark backward rightfully. So, uh, but he, he actually, apparently to get ready for the role, he went out with the jokes that were written for this movie and just bombed at open mics for like a week. Like, yeah, we went together, and oh uh, the God. first few times people recognized him, and so they laughed just because it was him. It was him. Mm-hmm. So then he put on clown makeup. 
Oh, so nobody would recognize him. And uh, <laughs> it was it was more surreal than the movie. I mean, I'm telling you, he, he would go up there, and and he was so uh, bad and so awkward. I mean, bad meaning good, bad, you know, and so awkward. And the audience had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Very funny. And he and he said, OK, I think I get what it feels like to bomb as a comedian. Now, let's let's go. You know, yeah. Did he also I see there's one part and I don't know. You'd have to ask Judd this next time you talk to him. But uh, there, one part of uh, I think the most realistic part about bombing on stage is sitting in your car afterwards and then contemplating uh, why you never went to HVAC school like your mom encouraged you to do <laughs> when you were 16. Uh, that's a that's a big that's a big part of it for sure. Well, it's funny I, you should say that that the idea for the movie came from a an experience that i witnessed me and a, a very close friend of mine um and her boyfriend all went to the comedy store open mic night because her boyfriend wanted to be a stand-up comic and apparently although i was not witness to it the night before at the open mic night he he slayed Right. So they were all, yeah. So they were all, he was all cocky. And we went to the open mic night. And by the time he got onto the stage, you know, there were four people in the audience. Yes. And uh, he was, he did not slay when I saw him. It was as awkward and as uncomfortable as possible. And And something interesting happened to me while I was observing myself and the others around me reacting to his very unfunny jokes is that at first you feel bad for them but then you then you feel hostile towards somebody for making you feel bad for them yeah. when you really were just there to have a good time and now you feel guilty for someone that you don't and you never asked to be in this position and it's it's a very bizarre series of feelings that you go through and then anyway the drive home in the car was very awkward <laughs> i thought this feeling could be bottled <laughs> i could make this feeling into a movie i think that could be cool so. well adam can i tell you i experienced the same range of emotions after i have sex with open micers so I get it. <laughs> um, and can i just tell you i also love love detroit rock city is probably one Thank of my you. favorite movies Thank so when so i much. heard that jeremy was bringing you on so exciting now can i can i ask you what what is the difference for you as a filmmaker? Sorry, I live on a busy street. Sorry if it's loud. Um, what is the difference for you when making the dark backward to a kind of a complete sort of way different script that you're working with as a director with Detroit Rock City? Like, is it something you'd always wanted to work on something like that, that type of comedy, like almost youthful piece? I mean, how did that kind of come about difference wise between your work? Well, the dark backward, like I said, I intentionally wanted to make something unusual, you know, but I love all kinds of movies and the movies that inspired me when I was growing up. You know, I loved weird midnight movies, you know, and I loved teen comedies and I love, you know, arty, you know, foreign films and I love big popcorn movies and I love little dramatic indies. I've just always loved all kinds of movies. So I've always wanted to make all kinds of movies that, by the way, has hurt me in my career because I'm not easily definable by Hollywood's, you know, um, standards of wanting to put you into a box. Now, of course, it's called what is your brand? That's the Hollywood ease for, you know, uh, you know, trying to fit you into a box. But um, I've never felt like I wanted to do that. I just want to make all kinds of movies. So but when I approach every movie, it's pretty much the same. I, I whether it's a comedy or a drama or something weird or something, you know, more commercial, I, I take, I take, you know, the 
when you prep the movie and when you cast the movie and when you shoot the movie, you're just, you're just focused on doing the best job you can and taking it as seriously as you, as you can. And you're just, in your mind, you're trying to picture the finished film and trying to fit the pieces into how you see it and along the way. So it isn't really a different process other than there's just different parts of your brain that know that, okay, I think this will be funny. Or in this movie, I think this will be sad or, you know, things like that. Sure. When well, before I pass it back to, to Jeremy, um, the only note I would love to give you about Detroit Rock City is it could have used a little more necrophilia. Yeah. <laughs> Smidge. And can that be said about most movies, really, when you think about it? Speaking of, speaking of brand, we know what the brand is. And that's, of course, Blumps. Yeah. <laughs> Blumps is a brand. Blumps. Blumps. And am I the... I was going to give it to you. Should we play the Blumps jingle that you wrote, Jeremy? Yeah, do, do the one that we already played him once. With the uh, Okay, here we go. The guy is saying, you want to see Bender in five years? He's Marty. A hand snaps. So. Yeah, that was, that was me, yeah. Uh, that was fun. That was fun. For those who don't know, um, when I was 16, I was in 16 Candles. Uh, observing you, and he said, "Sure, come back anytime." So I went back every day, and I just shadowed him for the rest of the movie, and I learned so That's much, awesome. and he was so nice. Oh, what valuable experience! Hey, so learning learning from John Hughes, I mean, totally amazing. By the by, the time you get to the dark backward, where you're now directing, you know, the likes of Bill Paxton, Judd Nelson, James Caan, like how how did they take direction from you? Like, was there was there tension there? They were like, the fuck, he's not gonna fucking tell me how to say this line. I'm gonna go out there and just do it because I I personally love. I think you captured the goofiest version of Bill Paxton ever recorded. Like you see this Bill Paxton in parts of movies and somehow you got him for the whole thing like that. And I fucking love that. I, I'd just be curious to know what it was actually like directing and them taking orders from you. You know, I have found generally speaking, um, you know, actors are professionals at their craft and they understand the process that they are there to to be directed by a director. And even though I felt at first a little weird telling James Kahn what to do, <laughs> you know, he, when he, for example, when James Kahn first showed up on set, he had this whole idea planned out where he wanted to do uh, Dr. Scurvy with a Yiddish accent. It's <laughs> a funny idea, but I felt it was too funny. You know what I mean? I, I said to him that to me, I feel it will be m more effective and it will be weirder if you play it more straight, I think if you try to play it for laughs, I don't think it'll be as funny or as weird. And he, you know, sort of like huffed and was like, wow, I had this whole thing planned, but then he just did what I said and then it was fine, you know? So, um, that usually is the funniest part. It, the, it, if you watch like some of the great, like I love the movie Step Brothers, and Step Brothers yeah. is funny not because Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell's great, right? Don't get me wrong. It's John C. Riley, but they play it like, no, this is dead serious. We are fucking adult children, men, and then we're yeah. not going to break that at all. And they're not. There's a, I, it, the idea of them not hamming it up is what makes it hilarious. Like when he just fucking deadpans right. it right into and this I've, thing. And I've just <laughs> always felt that was the case with comedy. Not you know, don't play it for laughs. Don't wink at the camera. I felt that. It's the same with, you know, the, the sort of midnight movies genre, you know, when you're doing things are weird. Don't play it like, you know, it's weird. Just play it straight. And I, I, I think that's the more, more effective way to, to 
pull these kinds of things off, you know. Can I can I get two more uh, uh, questions? Was it was it a hard sell with the scene with the uh, the corpse in the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, in in the in the dump? And also, what was the were there hard scenes where you guys couldn't stop laughing? Well, um, the the scene at the dump. The thing is, Bill Paxton was all in. He <laughs> was one hundred percent go 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 from the beginning so nothing was hard to convince bill to do um if anything believe it or not i had to rein bill back several times yeah um he would come to me afterwards and said oh man i just don't think i was able to push it big enough man i was like bill i think you got it thanks for nailed it you know like i'm gonna do it bigger next time i was like i think you're good i think you're good just um <laughs> telling bill paxton uh, hey relax just for a little bit. <laughs> this is but i mean you know bill paxton the late great bill paxton one of the most incredible guys of all time one of the greatest actors of all time just miss him every day um so and as far as did we laugh all the time you know when you're making a movie on this tight of a budget on this tight of a schedule there's just not a lot of time to laugh about shit you 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 notice in your mind this is weird what's going down now like there was a moment when bill was with his the three women uh it was sort of like the 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 orgy of uh mm-hmm. the food he was eating and the Charlie and pickles yeah yeah mm-hmm. he was he was spewing uh wine into the air and he was eating dog food and everything and i was sitting by the camera and just for some reason it just the surreality of it just hit me that this is occurring in front of my eyes in real life. And it almost spooked me more than made me laugh, you know, but uh, we, everybody had a really fun time because it was such a weird experience for us all to actually get to do. And I didn't appreciate when I was doing it because I was so young, how unusual it is to get to make a movie like this with this cast and with such complete freedom. We didn't have any interference from the, the company that funded the movie. They didn't even see it until it screened at the premiere. And, of course, when they saw it, they hated it. But, I mean, they did not give us any problems making it at all. Yeah, well, I think I think part of that is because it has so much star power behind it, right? That I actually the studio just sits back and they're like... Pfft. Don't Jimmy Khan's got this, Bill. We know we know these people. They're gonna be fine. And I imagine just the awkward conversation, probably not to you, but to them. You're like, how the fuck did you let <laughs> let him do that? Which is great. Like, I love the idea of uh of it, it's a very punk rock esque kind of thing to like take somebody else's money and be like, this is what I made. I hope you like it. <laughs> like, I that's one of my favorite things in the whole world. I just I finished watching the the Guar documentary. This is Guar. And there's so many oh, moments like that that like Dave Brocky had done. I love if you if you trick somebody enough to do this and then you got it and it's like that it's too late it's art now motherfucker you just have to live with it. <laughs> well, you nailed it. That's exactly what happened. I'll tell you this though. Interestingly enough, you know, people told me at the time they said you're 23, you made a movie with this cast, and it looks like a real movie. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. beautifully shot and it's you know it's got good production value and it's it's its own world it's it it encompasses its own world you know they said you're gonna you're gonna go straight to the top with this this is such a calling card for you you're gonna be the next tim burton you know and i was like Mm -hmm. oh that's gonna be great you know every single person in hollywood who could hire me 
hated it. You know, <laughs> they didn't. In, it was it's now I look back as I'm a, you know, as a man of a certain age, I look back and I think if I remove myself from it, okay, a 23 year old child made this movie and put together this cast and had this production value and nobody in town was even impressed. I mean, nobody cared. No, it was just like, yeah, so, so you threw a few circus freaks in front of a camera, you yeah. know, show me something that impresses me. Nothing. It didn't change my life at all. It didn't help. It didn't nothing. Well, you know, now the, some of the people that I worked with, like Bill Paxton became very close friends and that was phenomenal. And some of the people who I admired liked it, you know, some f people I was fans of liked it. But as far as Hollywood as a whole and, and get it helping me get the next job, it hurt me. It, it did not help at all. Well, I think it's one of those things. If you look at, at least to me, the movie, one of the biggest jokes of it at all is it's it's a joke on Hollywood itself, right? So the, I, yeah. the idea, people, uh, as a comedian, people love jokes, except when they are the target of said joke. Because nobody, right, yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, Joe Biden or any putty that you're pointing that joke out if he hears it he thinks like oh yeah that was fucking hilarious no he said he's not gonna like it and so right, you right. poked a, a giant bear with that but i personally love the hell out of it um thank and you, i'm, I'm glad you. that it exists and that you've gone on to make i mean you've had a great career since then i could knock like, on wood thank it, god you know and will continue will continue to do so so uh, thank you thank you i'm trying I, I I look at your IMDb page and I'm like he's, he's doing all right for himself. He's doing good these days. So uh, is thank there you, any thank you. is so there any so new projects that you have uh, on the horizon we should be looking out for that you're particularly excited about? Movie right now that I'm very excited about, and uh, when you learn what it is, you'll realize why I'm very excited about it, and hopefully everybody will be very excited about it. Um, it was about to go just before the pandemic struck, and then it went south because of the pandemic, but now it has just recently come back together and um, we're in prep now and I can't wait to be able to share what it's about. Electric and, Boogaloo and as, 2. I didn't want to tell him, <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> I you know, at the time it. we made The Dark Bagger, we talked about a sequel too, which we never had, ultimately did, but we wanted to have The Dark Bagger 2, Gus Goes to Hollywood, and we wanted it to be a musical, oh, um, and it would have been awesome, but, God. you know, whatever. Listen, we, I listen. I watched multiple Star Wars movies where I've seen dead people come back to life, and I couldn't think if I don't. I will. I will. I'll call any millionaire right now and say we need X amount of dollars to CGI Bill Paxton back to life to do this Please goddamn do. musical. I'm in. Please, the deep fake is a beautiful tool. Uh, we can we can deep fake the hell out of it. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, you guys have any other questions? Otherwise, I mean, we really appreciate him, uh, you coming Ooh. on the show. And uh, we're breaking Thank down you your movie tomorrow. So, I uh, well, you can hear us gush over all of the uh, the parts and stuff like that. And I can't stress anybody else to, to watch it. What uh, I think it's like currently on, on Tubi. Do you get an action part of that if it gets played no. on Tubi? How's the best way not. we can support you? <laughs> the best way you, uh, you can support me is, is A, watch it on Tubi, which I appreciate anybody mm -hmm. seeing it. <clears throat> but also, too, I, I, I encourage, I recommend, <clears throat> I, I uh, endorse a Twitter campaign to Sony Pictures to allow a boutique distributor to be able to put it out on a special edition Blu-ray. Because many have nice. approached Sony, who owns it, uh, about doing such a thing. 
and Sony will not um, license it to anybody else. And they have no plans to do it themselves because it's such a low priority title for them. So I think the more people out there email, uh, excuse me, uh, tweet Sony and Sony Home Entertainment and say, let a boutique uh, distribution company do a, a restoration and uh, you know 4K restoration and special edition Blu-ray of the Dark Backward, the better. Yeah, I'd love to own that. I mean, you could see this thing behind me. I'd love to put it out on the shelf. So, especially, I would love to see it on your shelf. Is, especially if you get an extra steel box version. I'd, I would I will spring the cash for that. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> so, but in the meantime, just watch it on Tubi and uh, hopefully like it. You know, I mean, I I only just found out recently that it's on Tubi. I'm very glad because at one point it was on Amazon for a while and then it went off Amazon and there was nowhere to see it. I, I think there might have been a bootleg on YouTube for a while which I'm fine with, by the way, because I just want people to see it, you know, but the quality of it is, is low, you know, all the various versions that can be seen online, whether they bootleg or the Tubi version, the movie is shot so beautifully by our DP, Joey Forsyth. She did such a great job. I really do want, and we have the negative. I want to do a full, you know, beautiful, you know, restoration of it. Okay, well, let's make that happen. You know what? We're spearheading it. Listeners, go on there. Let's tweet about it. Let's tell Sony what the deal is. Tell them, like, fuck Mobius. We we need uh, the dark backward <laughs> out for licensing ASAP so we can, uh, we can all have wonderful 4K it, copies. It, with tweet Sony. to Sony and Sony Home Entertainment. Tweet to them both. All right, bet. That's great. I, I missed the 2007 DVD, and now that I find out that there was cast... In uh, commentary, I, I gotta, I gotta hear the Bill Paxton commentary. He's hilarious. Everything he does is hilarious. He's the goat, the goat. Well, anyway, yeah. hey Adam, thanks so much for dropping in. We really appreciate uh, uh, you joining us here today, and uh, you have yourself a wonderful rest of your day out there in uh, sunny California. Yes, is that Los Angeles? That's beautiful. Right. Enjoy yourself. Uh, it, suck in some of that beautiful air while we're stuck here in Maryland, where it is actually not sweltering hot today. It is kind of <laughs> nice, but well, thank you guys so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And do uh, please share with me uh, the link to the to tomorrow's show so then i can share it with my followers and stuff. absolutely 10-4 everybody all right yeah cool. it usually Thanks, goes up on it usually goes up on monday and it should be available on like spotify podbean all that so um eric or jeremy well, can make sure we, we'll get it to you Perfect. we won't make Perfect. you search yeah. for it just, we'll, yeah. we won't make you search for it <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to be just sony entertainment where you can find it but thank you thank you so much adam we super appreciate you coming on thank you for being in touch with jeremy it means a lot to us that you you came on and again if you ever do do a sequel somehow may i advocate being your new fat girl uh and let me take a run at rob Lowe. Uh, <laughs> you, you you won me over yeah, yeah. she will she will put on an extra 50 pounds yeah, I, Easy. I love I, that kind of dedication i just door dashed 50 dollars worth of arby's to her house at that news so uh, <laughs> she, she is the female vincent d'onofrio yes i'm regretting all of this uh, <laughs> uh, have a great day though thank right. you so thank much. you thank you all so much i appreciate it oh thank you Welcome to motherfucking quality time. We're back once again in the saddle. I'm your host, Eric Woodworth. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, first and foremost, out of order from the usual weeks, the very lovely, the very talented Miss Ashley Pontius. Ashley, how are you, love? 
I'm good, Daddy. <laughs> um, why did you Why did you Jabba the Hut your face? <laughs> <laughs> you act like you act like I don't always look like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't always look like the 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 Ram Man from He Man. Usually, you have a neck. It's nice. <laughs> That's By how By the way, quality time is sponsored by butter. We all like butter. They send us boxes upon boxes, and we eat every every box. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Jeremy, actually, it's sponsored by... There you go. Squeezable bacon. There you go. Also, not, let me not be for very the elderly or children. <laughs> let me be very clear. Those butter pictures of me will resurface every year, and I look great. Anyways, um... <laughs> I masturbated to it. Oh man, it's it's a bit weird when also you're not the <laughs> you're not the only person to say it. And as funny as it is, I'm concerned that there is at least one person who isn't joking i believe um, like, like do you ever think i don't know this just kind of popped in my head but like those butter pictures service and you start getting weird dms and then somewhere down the line the 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 long forgotten now changed mrs buttersworth calls you up and like what's up bitch that was my last thing i had well <laughs> let's be clear whenever one of you is no longer married and i'm the runner-up Hashtag story of my life. Um, <laughs> I will be known as Ashley Butter. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Ashley Farms, home of Ashley. The woman Ashley, she churns it I and eats it. <laughs> I see a lot of money coming your way, and and it's, this might this might take weeks, but I'm pretty sure you're going to be offered money to uh, um, rub sticks of butter between your toes eventually. Yeah, so. that, there's a big market for that. There's a big market yeah. for that. That other voice you hear, by the way, listeners, is my blood, my brother, Jeremy P. Woodworth, who's just came back from Monster Mania in New Jersey. Stories to come from you soon. But just because you on, we wanted to hear first about, uh, Ashley, your last 48 hours. There's some, been some craziness. I heard th- murmurs of a peach festival. Please bring us up to speed. I had a show last night mm-hmm. that I was like, I don't really want to go. We'll see how it is. So... I pull up, and the minute I get into the the venue, the booker looks at me and goes, so, like, we we have no audience. I need you to go bark at a brewery. And I go, no. No, I won't be doing that. So I went and sat outside and got drunk instead. Um, Gamey. But so the minute I see the girl... um, Patrice, and I'm so sorry if I get your name wrong. It's this beautiful French last name. I want to say DeVoe. Um, O'Neill. She, yeah. <laughs> she's she's... <laughs> um, she and I have never worked I... together. She's lovely. And she pulls up and we see each other. And now, no, we've never met before. And I yell in the parking lot. I go, leave. Leave because I can't leave. Let's not do this. Just go home. Turn around and go home. So then her and I like debate about like sneaking off together and just being like, you never saw us. Um, <laughs> so then Al Barnes shows up. And I love Al. And I'm like, Al, this is going to be terrible. Top 10, top 10 quality time download, downloaded guest, Al Barnes. Just Hell yeah. So it was great to see. And by the way, everyone on the show, we all had such a good time together. It was so nice to see one another. But we are not looking 
forward to this because we all start to agree that the things we're debating are not going to go well, maybe. Um, and again, we have like barely any audience. Give us, give us a, an example. Like, what are the things they have oh, you debate? If- I'm going to because one of you jogged my memory, which is why I wanted to bring this up. So I'm going to jump ahead for a second and let you all know. I am now the title holder of best debater ah, of this series. Nice. Thank you. Um, the masturbator. Oh, yes, Jeremy. Do you want to know how I got it? You want to know what topic I debated that got me that goddamn title? Okay. I had to debate the pros of incest. <laughs> <laughs> That's not hard to do. Was the other person uh, debating the amateurs of incest? (laughs) She was obviously against. Oh, okay. So so I had to stand up there and list off all the the reasons. And again, try to prove my point that like why incest was great. And I had reasons such as, you know, hey, I get to prove to my partner that he picked the best one who wants a dry divorcee like my sister Faith. So so there was that. <laughs> I was like, I'm the least annoying of the three. You'll realize that after, you know, you see us fuck. Uh, so so there, was, uh, there was that. And then I was like, no one will love you like family hashtag incest is best, incestory.com, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, I said, uh, hey, have you always wanted to visit Alabama? Now you can from the comfort of your own home in your sibling. So, like, there was, oh, there, yeah. was there was that. Um, Incest is all- actually the original Hot Pocket. <laughs> it, was, it was so, it was bad. But, hey, apparently I did such a good job that a lot of school teachers, a table of school teachers was just like, I mean... She's funny, and so that was that was the crowd's reaction to most of your your pro incest jokes. It it was just a lot of, I mean, there was laughter, but there was a lot of pain. Um, Like, so Patrice, who's debating me, she she's a woman of color, and she was like, "Oh, we don't do that shit in the black community." And I responded, "Yeah, you're right. Instead, you've got you know people like Marvin Gaye's dad who just kill their kids." (laughs) And (laughs) so there was that. Um, But no, so I won. Gay me, don't want to kill myself. (laughs) My worry. Um, So I get through that. Then today. I go to the Leitersburg Peach Festival, which out here in bumfuck nowhere, we are known for our peaches. So I, I go there just so this for the is a ice new cream. thing I've never heard of before. Oh. A, it's a whole it's a whole festival of peaches. What what exactly are there cobblers? Are there different dishes? Are there fresh peaches you can just have? Yeah. Is there? Please a, tell me. Please tell me that the presidents of the United States play that show. Oh <laughs> God, that's got to be. Tell me that's the theme song of the festival. Every year. Oh, oh, we are going to talk about music for sure. Okay. All right. Um, so but it is focused around peaches. So you can you can buy fresh peaches from local farmers. We have a lot, it's a farming community that I live in. Okay. So we've got um you can buy peaches, they have cobblers. I go just for the peach ice cream every year because it's so goddamn mm. good. So there's also a lot of like vendors and different local small businesses, all that stuff. Now remember, this is like rural Pennsylvania. And while I am talking to a vendor, I hear them looking behind me and they go, well, that's different. 
And I turn around and see a man in a full fishnet body stocking <laughs> and cut off shorts being carted around on a leash. <laughs> and even better, where he is being carted to is a man selling Trump signs. Hell yeah. <laughs> so this, this is a lot to take in. So while I am absorbing this image my ears pick up something else which is the dj playing country versions of hip-hop songs so i i am okay. <laughs> i am hearing at this festival with children everywhere all the pimps in the crib, ma, drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot. If the pigs try to get at you, drop it like it's hot. <laughs> and I'm like, what's, what's happening? And then it quickly changes into, this sex is on fire. And I'm like, what? This, this is hip-hop. This is hip-hop at the Peach Festival. All I want to do at this festival apparently would be to go around and ask the vendors if I could have all their rotten peaches. And as soon as they hand me all their rotten peaches, I just happily stick my thumbs into every one, gushing it into my hands for fun and, and pleasure. Hey, you know, Jeremy, I've got a gross peach you can stick. <laughs> I'd rather apron not. <laughs> some people some people like ripe peaches. I like them rotten. Oh man! So the Peach Festival overall hit. Would how would you rank this amongst the other Peach Festivals you've been to? I call my I call my anus the Peach Pit. <laughs> <laughs> I would rank this one very high. This is probably the best. I mean, I'm sorry, strictly alone. I want to find Mr. Leashman again and find out what what is he up to? Is he one of my local farmers? Is he my neighbor? I want to know. What if he was... I Can I make a theory on what, what I think he was about, right? Because th- from what you told me, man in full fishnet um, going to, to the Trump flags, to the Trump yeah. signs thing, I would say that he is a uh, he is a super Christian that is he what he's saying is that jesus made me a fisher of men and i and trump is the way and i believe that that's what he was going for more than anything <laughs> right yeah that's what i think sure okay all right I'll that one know. that was one for jeremy and he is in tears right now <laughs> he loves good blasphemy <laughs> it's his favorite and I I know my sweet brother, he's completely incapacitated with laughter off mic right now. Hey, it is a Sunday. I'm just proud that I didn't wear my Satan is good, Satan is our pal shirt. Aww, I'm just proud that was uh, No, it's it's supposed to be the Pentium sa- Satan inside emblem logo. The oh. pentagram? No, the Pentium, like Pentium. Pentium. Pentagram they used to be in computers. Like, now they're like yeah. just animal bugs. Yeah. Gotcha. I know what you're talking about. It's just taking me a while to keep up my bed. It's all right. Uh, if you open up a computer now, it looks like the inside of the naked lunch. They're all insects. 
I have seen that. <laughs> now, now, Jeremy, speaking of insects and incest, uh, you went to Monster Mania yesterday. Uh, you, you you interviewed uh, with with Adam Rifkin from there. Generally, you dress as Pogo the Clown, of course, the 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 embodiment of John Wayne Gacy. And generally, I've been to these things with you. Uh, I no longer am comedian Eric Woodworth. I am Pogo's handler when I go to these events with you. <laughs> Jeremy, out, out in the real world, I am Eric's brother. Yes, in here, he is God, um, and I am no one. So, Jeremy, I, I, I am the lawnmower man at these shows. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, but Jeremy, you got, I guess the the first uh, anti fan or first hater of Pogo came up. To I've you had week? I've had people that will do little quips. Mm-hmm. I've had people that will voice their displeasure. But I never had anybody really get up in my face and really show true anger and, and hatred. And it's funny because I'm hanging with my uh, my special lady friend, Lisa, and she had to go somewhere. So literally within seconds of her leaving, this girl gets up in my face and she was wearing a face mask. So I couldn't re- remember exactly what she looked like. But oh, the, the certain I got certain parts of the conversation, which was you're an evil person you have no empathy for people especially with somebody that uh killed so many young children and which she stopped off very angrily and at (laughs) which point i was like should i laugh at this or should i generally have to look out for this person next time so did you did you say uh, did you say hey technically they're not kids anymore um <laughs> you know, I am I am the ultimate monster because if I do ever meet somebody that actually knew the victims, then of course I do owe them an apology of yeah, being a I reminder of the. I, I mean, if you're gonna dress up as Hitler, you don't go to like the Holocaust Museum. Yeah, that's like being the biggest asshole in the place. world. This is an appropriate place, I feel like, to be Pogo the Clown. This is you're at Monster Mania, so it would, now, Jeremy, if you ever run into the situation again, and you're like, you know what, you're right, and you disappear, but you come back and you're fully as fat Ted Bundy now, and you you so because you've changed, you've changed to be a better. <laughs> Well, my costume is pretty involved because at any moment I can rip it off and I'll look like Son of Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what's called your day to day. So, so this, I, I consider her the first true hater. Um, well, shout and, out. And, 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 hey, and if you end up listening because you found the Quality Time podcast because of your hatred for Jeremy, we'd love to have you on the show um, and 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 talk to you about about how much you dislike. Uh, Pogo the clown, and maybe we can talk Jeremy maybe into a softer, uh, a softer clown uh, persona, like uh, maybe one, maybe anti Pogo the clown, where you dress in, uh, you're like the total opposite, so your face is black, and like uh, maybe that's not a good idea. Let, let's just. Think well, about I, it. I I think let's that think they're right, it. and I'm I'm going to change into a a, a more acceptable uh, cosplay of being Andrew Dice Clay from now on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. I'm sorry that you you got that hater, but I'm glad that you're back here today. Um, and fucking way to score the uh, the the interview of the year so far. I'd have to say, Jeremy. You know, the year well, look, isn't over. Look, I don't even think I, I'm just going to be as ballsy as fuck today 
and say, I don't even think that any of us are true comedians until we literally get hit by somebody while up on stage. Is that true? I mean, also for me to get hit by, like, if I do that, like, it has to be somebody that thinks they could beat me in a fight, which means there has to be somebody larger than me, generally. Does it? Does it count if I've never been physically hit but have been threatened with rape? <laughs> oh, I think I think you know what. I think that counts real, or something. You're a real. You're you're doing it, Harry. You're playing with. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, Eric, with with our with our hitting on stage, it was staged. Yes, that was that was true. The amazing um, Benny. Me and Jeremy used to actually physically punch each other on stage uh, enough that we would make good, like not not a working wrestling punch, like just hit each other in the titty as hard as we can, and that's what we think. It. You know what? It's still funny. It holds up. Anyway, um, I want to get into tonight's movie because we're we're gonna have a long episode if we don't get on track. Uh, obviously, we're going over the dark backward, which is uh, Jeremy Woodworth's. Uh, would, would you consider this a one of your top four movies of all time? Uh, absolutely not. But I would call it the number one Bill Paxton film of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably one of the darkest uh, films of all time that kind of makes uh, the human centipede seem kind of more normal. Honestly, there are moments of the dark backward where I wish it, I was watching somebody eat shit out of an ass that they were sewn to. Because <laughs> as, as, a, as a comedian of 10 years, there's parts of this movie that literally just like, yup, yup, yup. Yep, yep, over and over again, and uh, it is—it's just—it hurts. As I think any performer, if you watch this movie, um, you will just feel it on a different level than any other film that you could watch. I don't think the average person who doesn't get up in front of strangers and perform would probably enjoy this as much, but. God damn it. Whether you're a musician or you're a comedian or like a poet, everybody has this goddamn friend that is overly trying to like gaslight you up to thinking you're better than you are and saying, oh man, you're going to do this. You can make it happen. And Bill Paxton is that guy to a T. And can we, because you're on that, can we talk about the fact that there are people who are so close to quitting comedy specifically and i'm like yes you should go pursue another trade like you still have enough time in your life to go be something else and their mom or their weird friends on facebook are like no don't leave and i'm like if you convince him to stay i'm gonna shank your kids and rip out their assholes yes there needs to be a a certain part of levity it's like that one tenacious d song do you you know the one i'm talking about he was just like we want you to follow your dreams and continue on and then after a couple years we will check in and then we will tell you to stop (laughs) yes you must stop because here's the thing some people got it (laughs) eric yes are you ready? I'm ready. Double double voice. Sometimes you follow your, your heart. heart. Sometimes, Sometimes your, your heart, heart cuts a fart. That's, That's a cosmic shame. That's a cosmic shame. Um, 
and I know what you're thinking out there. What makes you so fucking important? I don't know, and I don't like it. Uh, I know that song way too fucking well. But yes, you need to stop um, sometimes. And uh, God damn it, uh, this movie just highlights all of the bad people you will meet when you start doing comedy. The person who gives you all the wrong advice, like, hey, I got an idea. You do a couple jokes. I play a couple notes and do this like that. And he's trying to add to your act. Oh, it also, it does this other thing in this movie. And I know I'm just kind of broadly talking about it. But the the person when, when the thing you like I hate to do as a comic and I very rarely do when I meet somebody in the regular world I will not tell that I'm a, I'm a comedian unless it is somehow brought to like a thing like if they say hey if I say something funny like you should be a comedian then I will go as a matter of fact I am and then they're like for real and I, but. The other one is just like, oh, you're a comedian? <laughs> Tell us a joke right now. And it is, don't do not do that. Don't fucking do that to us. Please don't do that to us. It's the, the number, worst. The number of dates I've been on in the past where if it somehow was found out or it came up normally, but then the guy on my date would then try to almost prove that he was either funny to me or... Or that he, as a man, was just naturally funnier than me and try to tell me about comedy. I'm like, this is wild. You know you're looking for a life partner, right? Like, do you know why we're here? <laughs> oh, man. So, yes, that is the worst thing. And I, I've heard the other jokes of, of comedians combating that. Like, uh, I don't ask you to wash the dishes at my house because you work at Applebee's. I mean, just relax, okay? I don't ask you to make me a dollar margarita on the spot, okay? <laughs> Sharon, relax. Um <laughs> I don't, I, um, but really, if you wanted me to show you what a real full time starting comedian would be, the best thing you could ask is, uh, can you are allowed to sleep on my couch? That is actually the nicest thing you could say to somebody really jumping into it. Um, yeah. But this, uh, I don't know. I personally love how fucking bizarre this movie is. Um, it really is quite beautifully shot. It's, painful to watch at times but uh i it's funny the more times i watch it i pick out more little things that i really appreciate about how it is it's not something that you want to watch and not really sink into how fucking bizarre it is uh from beginning to end everything is so moist in this movie and makes he's so uncomfortable Yes. Well, uh, it, it co- comes out in 1991, and we talked about a lot of this in the interview about how it got made and the writer and director, Adam Rifkin, being 19 years old getting to make this, which is an accomplishment for a 19-year-old to make such a fucking great uh, film in, in retrospect to me. Um, is it is it a 10 out of 10? No, but it, it, it hits a spot uh, that really works for me. And the cinematography and that, like you said, that vaudevillian look is really prevalent throughout where everything is literally filthy so much for it so that like even the garbage men to a certain extent are actually cleaner than most of the other people that you see like his girlfriend who's uh played by lara flynn boyle uh or as i like to call her lara flynn bitch in this movie um she just is somehow even dirtier than the actual garbage men that clean things up like can I just hmm. so there's so much about this movie that I didn't tell you guys this 
at any point this week, but I had to go for a drive after watching this movie and think about the choices that led me <laughs> watching this movie. Um, because here's a no couple of notes I had. One was, are you telling me that this character is fucking Laura Flynn Boyle? Because <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. Uh, that was the note I left. Um, you brought up the trash. Wh all caps. Why is he doing trash shirtless? Yes, just shirtless traffic <laughs> up. Oh, Disgusting. Wow. It, it's just so absolutely gross. Like every everything in this is grimy. You know what's you know what part's particularly gross is Bill Paxton, the embodiment of just the sleaze in this. The one scene where he's just like eating the chicken that's like in this green gloop, and he's like <laughs> I would have came if you called me. If you called me, I'd I would have been there. <laughs> Almost <laughs> God, it's so fucking disgusting. Can I can I introduce the uh the uh uh garbage uh yard scene? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in, in the in the almost the first scene after the the joke uh <laughs> they drive into the the uh the dump. That's mm -hmm. what it is. It's called the dump. There you go. And of course, he's <laughs> He, they just start walking around, and he, he, of course, comes upon a dead body of a naked dead woman. Mm -hmm. And what what does he start doing? Oh, of course, what any normal person starts would start, would start abusing licking it. a dead woman. <laughs> and, of course, he. but what does he see? Oh, she's got a special gift in her hand. That might have been something having to do with her murder. No, I'm going to take this to my girlfriend. <laughs> this is going to be a special <laughs> gift. And I'm and, and any normal viewer of any normal movie is like, this is going to be a big plot point. This has got to be what the whole movie is about. No, this is just to show what a scumbag he yeah, is. That's nothing to do with shit. the rest of the movie. <laughs> I had to pause this, Jeremy. Just what Jeremy is talking about, thinking, okay, this is going to be a very interesting movie about a murder. <laughs> nope. No. We just um, see Bill Paxton sucking on dead ass titties. And I've never been so horrified or confused in my whole fucking you know, life. It, most movies have something called a, 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 a mulligan. A mulligan? Yes. A MacGuffin. A MacGuffin. A MacGuffin uh, obviously, the biggest of MacGuffins of all time would be the, 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 the Cup of Christ from uh, Last Crusade or the Maltese Falcon. Something that you have to get. Uh, my favorite being Foul Play, where it's the secret microfiche film that right at the end of the film, when you think they're going to figure it out, no, the snake drops it into the fire and it, and, it, and it burns. And then you see the snake laughing, going, <laughs> <laughs> I am just truly beside myself. And then Bill Paxton's <laughs> main bitch um I did, I did when i have like subtitles on because i'm becoming my father um and i wrote down i was like is her name nicolette or nicorette because i could not tell and then i went is this just eric in a dress uh <laughs> i do uh i did uh uh Play, play. I did rip a piece of a little bit of audio. Of Bill Paxton. This is like later in the movie when he is um, uh, not with just his main girl, but also the two other large women, where they're talking about him eating garbage. And I just, uh, God, it's here you go. Hey, Harry, it's good. Hey, Harry, it's good. 
on my pancakes. <laughs> Did any of you ever eat dog food, stir-fried and castor oil, topped with mince clams in a sugary cream sauce with pimento and chives? No one eats that! Oh, yeah? Show them what I had for breakfast this morning! <laughs> I don't know why. Oh my god, that shit just fucking crushes me so much. And they uh, do, you, have it. do you have the clip of the first meeting with Nikki? Um, no, yeah, no, I don't have that. Well, then I'm going to have to act it out. All right, because while he's waiting at the door, man, what a woman! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, and of course, when he's like. I've got something for you. She's like, what? What? Give it to me. <laughs> I got these for you, and I didn't pay a dime. <laughs> it's like picking flowers for him. Like It is. He's like, I didn't pay nothing for it either. <laughs> I, I swear, this is like a Monty Python line to me that I used for years ever since this movie. And also, every single thing of that scene is vile from not only just him kissing her which i'm sure is probably like me kissing my wife if you have to witness such a horrible thing but 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 also but also is literally when he not only is like feeling her around but also when she he's like he puts his hands on her face and you see how fucking dirty his hands are yes just black fingertips i didn't think it was possible but hey, guess what? There is a version of Bill Paxton I wouldn't be able to fuck. <laughs> oh, that's this one, huh? All right. <laughs> that I, one. I see where you're coming from. This is kind of different than the Twister character. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Bill Paxton is just completely filthy. Uh, he get he 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 gaslights him so much, and you have to talk a little bit about Marty Malt, played by Judd Nelson, who is just uh, obviously you heard in the interview he went out and purposely bombed on stage for weeks on end just to get the feeling. He's like, all right, I know what level of suck that feels like now, and but it's not just. Bill Paxton who treats him like garbage in this movie it's literally every person and there's nobody in his life that is a good person to him at all like his girlfriend is a piece of shit um his doctor is a piece of shit I love the fact that like the doctor is just like oh you just didn't do the right fucking thing and all this and James Caan plays the doctor out of nowhere and just completely says he was like well it's probably your fault that you're like this you dumbass <laughs> it's like hey, being hey, a woman you, yeah hey are you about to say something shut up Shut up. I'm about to examine you. I'm trying to do my job here. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I, I know that uh, that 
that you said it's just me. Hey, I, I've never had a good experience with a doctor either that that made me feel good or any suggestion. I'm like, no, I don't think this is feels right. I almost walked out with getting a COVID thing instead of antibiotics last time. And then I got antibiotics that gave me a fucking rash over my whole body. Oh, but Eric, I meant more than just doctors. I meant being okay. like, hey, like, I think like I've got something wrong happening in my life. And then being like, no, you don't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that was one uh, what I was talking about. So, uh, and then, and then, even uh, to the point where uh, Bill Paxton gets uh, gets Jackie Chrome, this local talent agent who's played by Wayne Newton, to come out and finally see his act. And I love that, like he's trying to like gas up the crowd, like Ha-ha, yeah, like this, <laughs> and he's just he, of course, leaves. And uh, I have this little uh, this little clip of. Uh, uh, Jackie Chrome talking to Bill Paxton. What are you being so picky for? You walked out before his best stuff? He was just getting warmed up. Come on. What do you think I am, stupid? Do I look stupid to you? Talent is my business. Your friend has none. Now, if you'd like some free advice, shoot him and put him out of his misery. <laughs> so, and I also love that uh, Wade Newton's character, first of all, look at me. I know talent. He has... His mustache changes not only from like scene to scene, but sometimes mid scene he will have a mustache, and then sometimes <laughs> it'll be gone, and then it'll come back, and it's redrawn on. It's just it's sometimes it's thicker, sometimes it's super thin, sometimes it's to the side, but it's uh, it's constantly changing as if it's fucking uh what's Rorschach's mask in this film. Uh, <laughs> hey, sometimes just like with your pubes, sometimes you're just like, what are we gonna do with this today? We gonna make it thinner we gonna make it more curly at the ends like i get it you gotta change it up a bit what what a bit i i know you guys have heard some of like the greatest um shit fest stories of like uh mentors or or people that they've they've toured with like oh you, you headlined with this guy oh and yeah and he gave this advice about how shitty your show was like that was any encouragement whatsoever and of course, the little black midget in this movie, known as uh, Brian Cox, yeah. who's obviously made big fucking time with like the uh, the Bad Santa series and that Jim Carrey mm-hmm. film of uh, where his wife has sex with him. Uh, but of course, apparently early in his career, some guy was like, "Yeah, you're, you'll never fucking be an actor." <laughs> <laughs> I so the scene you're talking about, Jeremy, is uh, of course. Um, we're going to get to that where they go back to um, uh, Jackie's uh, office to show him that he's now grown a third arm. And uh, I I do enjoy the um, this because this the, a this has Jeremy's favorite line and it is the reveal that this little bump on his back has finally grown into a hand. Uh, so here we go. You think so? Definitely. And I got an idea about how you can polish up your act. Musical. Accompaniment. Yeah, you know, you tell a few jokes, I play a few notes. You tell a few more jokes, I play a few more notes. Then, during your bow, I play a little song. It'll be real original. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. You see, that's what I've been trying to tell you all along. Gosh. Turn around, Marty. What? Just do it. 
Caesar's ghost. What? Marty, what happened? Look, look at your lump. Ah, just and then Bill Paxton going ape shit at Marty, just running around the room. <laughs> that 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 moment when he puts his fucking finger into the hand and it closes on his hand. <laughs> I'm now advocating that "bussy" stands for back pussy. <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to I want to compare this scene to the only thing that comes close, and that that is the fucking reveal. Of fucking Dan Aykroyd's dick nose in nothing but trouble. <laughs> so, uh, uh, they go, um, they obviously go back to, uh, see Jackie Chrome. And now Jackie Chrome is already, inter- he's already seeing another client. And that's where you were talking about. Uh, she's a, a lady dressed as a full Valkyrie Viking who's playing, <laughs> who's playing little people as a xylophone. <laughs> And I got to be honest with you, I would go watch that. There's nothing that would stop me from seeing the human xylophone at all. Fuck the Blue Man Group. That's what I want to see when I go to Vegas. Uh, so uh, they immediately, of course, now he loves him and he's just like, I always knew you had talent because he's a real piece of garbage. And then immediately he's he's his number one client. And uh, but Marty has to break it to uh, Sweet Rosarita about his third arm. <laughs> You promised you wouldn't scream. You didn't tell me it was a hand! I thought it would be a carbuncle or a boil, but a hand of Jesus! I thought you'd understand. It's disgusting! It's gross! I'll I'll always keep my shirt on. It won't matter! It won't matter! People don't grow hands out of their back! What's wrong with you? Well, I I didn't grow one on purpose. Archie, I gotta get out of here. Wait a minute. Look, Marty, it's all over between the two of us. I can't love a man! I'm sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't love a man with three hands, which is different from a fellas, because listen, you ladies, you can't accept us for our third hand, but we'd always accept you for your third titty, you know, and that's, you know, a total recall reference. And that's how I'm living these days. Uh, all I all I have to say is if I had the choice, I'd take a third hand over psoriasis. Yeah, I think that would be helpful. It would be, probably be better. If anything, you could scratch more of yourself. Yeah. Do you think if you had the third arm, that would be your wiping hand? Like, out of your back? Like, clearly, <laughs> that would yeah. have to be your wiping hand, right? Much better than having to use a rag on a stick like I use now. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Jeremy. Um, so, uh, his, his girlfriend is gone. Uh, his act is getting better, but he's still bombing, and they keep trying to figure out better ways to do it. Like, what if I move from one right side of you, and then you tell another joke, and you do it to the other side? And, uh, you know, Marty kind of speaks up. He's like, I think it might mess with my timing a bit. That's real good. I hope all that motion doesn't confuse me. I'd hate for my timing to be thrown off. Timing, shmiming. There's more important things to comedy than timing. <laughs> I I hate that so much. <laughs> I hate 
I hate everything about that line. It's offensive to my senses, uh, but it's it's. Oh, I love this movie so goddamn much. Um, it's just it shows what it's like. I, everything that gets said to this is like it. It. I put myself in that guy's position so much. Like, no, don't say that again to me, please stop. <laughs> Everyone is a stab wound, and it's so uh so good. Um. So uh, the movie moves along, and eventually it gets to a point where uh, Marty actually loses his arm. It just disappears overnight, uh, and they're supposed to get get their next big shot with uh, their talent agent, uh, who actually is uh, played by Rob Lowe, who wants to take him out to Hollywood, and that's played by uh, Dirk uh, Rob Lowe, who plays Dirk Delta, who's got like this weird prosthetic on him that makes him look like extra sleazy here. And he's got like weird, like, they're not like cleft teeth, but they're like kind of sharp. Like, he's always got like demon teeth in, just really he's, showing he's, it. He's literally the, the Pittsburgh guy from uh, Goodfellas. Oh, okay. All right. I know what you're Hey, you want to see Worthy Birds? <laughs> hey, take some cocaine. Hey. So they try to they try to trick away Newton by uh putting a baseball bat in the in the sleeve and, and putting a glove on it. And he, he's like, I gotta have you do the spin one more time. I gotta I gotta see the spin. <laughs> the whole scene of him like insisting that he does the spin. And I, I swear it is the funniest line to me in this whole movie is Wade Newton when the baseball bat finally flies out and he goes <laughs> The, class, the the oldest trick in the book, the baseball in the sleeve. <laughs> that, whole, that whole fucking line is so goddamn funny. Uh, just like, I'm ruined now. <laughs> I kind of question it. I, I, I know he, he got what his vision was, but I like to think that uh, Rifkin played around with the idea of Jackie being a, more of a Brooklyn accent. Hey, the old uh, fake arm trick, the oldest in the book. Yeah. So. Yeah, so he uh, he eventually uh, says that now uh, we don't want anybody to go there. Obviously, Marty is uh, is completely crushed by all of this, uh, saddened, and more importantly, uh, Gus, played by Bill Paxton, he's making it all about himself. He's like, "You ruined us, you piece of garbage! This was my chance, and this and that." And then finally, he gets a call back from uh, the big guy. He's just like, "Hey, guess what?" Gus, they want you to go to Hollywood. So for me, it's my biggest thing ever. And he doesn't. He doesn't speak up for Marty at all. He's just like, oh yeah, fuck Marty. I'm going to to the L.A. When previously in the movie, Marty definitely speaks up. He's like, I can't do it without Gus. As soon as Gus gets a shot, right. fuck you, Marty. I'm out which of here. Is, which it's is 100 percent comedy. So exactly the same as the the Pee Wee Herman story. <laughs> what, what's the Pee Wee Herman story? Well, you know, he had his stage show, and as soon as he got the uh, made it big time with the movies, uh, almost nobody got into the movies. So, oh, oh, okay. Except for Jombie, because he was he played the um, the bus line um, guy, so selling bus tickets. Oh, okay, all right, nice. Yep. I didn't I didn't know that uh, Paul Rubens fucked over his entire crew. Nice, good. Well, um, they came back in the TV show, so. Well, they'll show that'll show him. Shouldn't have went to that theater now, Paul, should you have? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, no. Uh, uh, so 
obviously he's crushed he's girlfriendless he has he has no one left in his life uh even even rosarita runs off with bill paxton who's still filthy as he gets in the back of the limo so she leaves with him um to to live her new life away and uh the 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 movie has such a fun ending which i think is uh I think is really fitting to all this is that he finally goes back to the club with no arm and he just starts really opening up and talking about and shitting on himself and how bad his life is. And people actually start laughing at it and they love it. And that, uh, I, that fucking hits here too. Cause that is, that is comedians talking about the things they don't like to talk about, uh, in front of strangers and people laughing at them. So, uh, I think a fitting end to the movie overall, uh, honestly still absolutely one of my uh my favorite films to watch uh i highly recommend it's not something you watch over and over again i don't think it's uh, every once in a while but i love exposing new people to it jeremy exposed it to me uh, ashley what are your final thoughts on on the dark backward well just like eric said i love male comedians exposing me to things um <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was it was fine. Definitely not going to be in my top ten, though. Not in your top ten, though. Not in your top. Uh, 10. You needed to, you needed to talk about the most appropriate ending to this movie, which is of course when they start playing that simple mind song, "Don't You Forget About Me," and Marty is walking across that football field. And just at the end, he holds up his third arm. His third arm does the little walk away. Don't you? So the third arm did grow back. Yes, yes. Uh, and then the other extra scene where Gus actually uh, gets swept up by a twister, but luckily he uses his accordion strap to strap to a pipe where he doesn't get sucked off into the air and uh, oh. survives and makes it to Hollywood. Oh, by the way, my final thought. My final thought. Yeah. I love the fact that this was the original version of Joker. And of course it is the same exact scenes with, with Joker and his mother, except he does actually kill her in the in the remake. <laughs> that so. is that is true. That is true. I do love uh that we did get to talk to Rifkin about that yesterday, but that is him bombing and Joker is very, very reminiscent of this movie. And in fact, I think Joker is kind of shot a lot like how this movie is shot in that kind of vaudevillian style uh, of Gotham that they created for the It's for the a total movie. ripoff. It's a total. What we're saying is the Joker is a total ripoff of the dark backward and that royalties should be paid to uh, Adam Rifkin. Um, uh, Ashley, where can people find you at? <laughs> Oh, um, you can find me online at Ashley Pontius Laughs, and you can catch me headlining the end of this month at the Upper Deck in Mount Airy. Um, tickets and stuff is in my in my socials. Hell yeah! Uh, catch all things Eric Comedy at EricComedy.com. I haven't updated the website with my new date, so I don't know. But you can follow me on all the socials from there. Uh, I got a show at the DC Improv Big Room, uh, One Life Not to Live. If you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, you can come out Wednesday and see that. Um, and tweet at Adam Rifkin and at Sony Entertainment so that we can get a Blu-ray copy 4K restoration of this movie. Jeremy, take us out of here. Why don't you put her in charge? I got a little dick. It's pathetic. 